0: so this morning as we continue the top 10 what are the 10 things God wants all of us to know what are the 10 things God wants us to know and we're connecting the Olympics has started people have uh, literally every day of their life watched how many calories they intake how much time they sleep Uh, they're regimented in their exercise so they can be the very best so that they can beat a time by one one hundredth of a second or by one centimeter in a throw or, or a jump they have committed their whole lives so that they can be successful and go to that podium and hear their anthem played and to get the gold medal and this year a little bit different Um, but the reality is that they people from when they were six years old have been practicing and training and there are things that they have to apply to their life to be successful to be able to participate in the olympics and so this morning as we gather what is that for us If you're here and you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, what does it mean to finish your life, the race that God places before you with success? How can you run that race successfully? And if you're here this morning and you say, I don't know if I believe in Christ, I don't know if I believe in the Bible or God, this is a great Sunday for you to be here because I'm going to talk about what it means to be a Christian. And if you want to consider being a Christian, here's what it is. Here's what we're called to. Here's what we are uh, given in God's word to, to believe and to follow him and as we started out this top 10 what are the 10 things God wants us to know we started with there's only one God everyone wins by putting God first everyone wins by putting God first do you know if you put God first in your finances everyone wins when you put God first in your relationship everyone wins when you put first God in in your workplace or your family everyone wins when you put God first it fixes everything else When you put Christ first, it fixes everything else. And so, the first thing God wants us to know is He needs to be in first place. He needs to be the center of all that we are. And so, if we can apply that, we'll be one step closer to living in the grace of hope of finishing the race that God has for us. Secondly, we looked at no idols, be a worshiper, not an idolater. Be a worshiper, not an idolater. We have been created. You exist today. The reason you were born, the reason you've gone through however many years you've gone through, was to worship God. Idolatry is when we worship ourselves or man-made things or things of this world. Anytime we waste our time worshiping anything other than God, we are throwing away our purpose. We're, we're avoiding our, re, our actual reason for our existence. And so let's not be idolaters. Let's be true worshipers. And we're told that God is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And so it's a spiritual worship of God. We have a lot of things that distract us. We live in a physical world with a lot of messiness. We watch the news. We see everybody fighting. We see all this division. Everybody's upset about something. And God is saying you got to let go of the physical. The physical is so temporary. There'll be another thing that people will be upset about. There'll be a million more things. People will always be upset because the world is messy with sin. Worship the Lord in spirit. Take all of that and and allow it to to drift away and place your spirit on where God is and his infinite, eternal uh, nature and home that he's invited us to be part of his family. Today we're going to talk about do not misuse the Lord's name. Do not misuse the Lord's name. As I think about this idea of misusing the Lord's name, my son played, uh, he plays football. And one of the things they do on some of the teams is they put the last name on the back of the jersey. And as you look out, you get to see your last name and you're like, wow, you know, that's Elijah. That's our son there playing football. But, you know, if he gets a penalty, we're not so excited about that anymore, Right? If he gets in a fist fight, we're not so excited about that anymore. If he's a dirty player, we're not so excited. But when he scores a touchdown, we're excited. Right? Because he's carrying our name. He's carrying our name, and it represents more than just him on the field. It represents us as a family, and hopefully it represents us as Christians. And so, as we look at this idea of, of carrying God's name, of having his name upon us, today, if you have confessed with your mouth, and you've believed in your heart that Jesus is your Savior, that he has been raised from the dead by God, that he is alive today, and that you will join him eternally at his home, then you are a Christian, a Christ follower. Christian literally means a student of Christ, to follow him, to be like him. If you carry his name, it is a, it is a major uh, responsibility Um, It is something that is not to be taken lightly. And so we're going to look at that this morning. and, And really, we are saved by grace. You can't earn salvation. There's nothing you can do to merit favor with God. But once you're under that grace, then you have freedom. You have freedom to be successful. You have freedom to really live a great life. It is not until you've experienced the grace of Christ can you have that freedom that he wants us to have. And that freedom is to live in obedience to him, to live freed from our bondage to sin and free to live in the glorious grace of who he is and what he has for us. And so the question I have is we look into God's word and it's not it's what we want to hear from him. What does God expect of us now that if you're saved, if you're a believer, if you've come to Christ, what does God expect? What does he expect And so before we go to his word, let's precede it with prayer. Father God, you are holy, you are righteous, you are above all, you have created all things, you know all things, you are worthy of this time, you are worthy of everything that we are, and Lord, we know right now, we battle inside with our flesh, we battle with our thoughts, we battle with our emotions, because sin still is here, but Lord, we ask that you would, uh, Lord, just fill us in a way that you would show us who you are in a new way, that we would draw closer to you, that we'd fall more in love with you, that we would really understand who you are, and Lord, that we would have a, a, a brighter picture a clearer picture Lord of what it means to be yours Lord, I pray that that you would protect us in this conversation, protect us as the enemy does not want us to hear your words. Lord, uh, all the distractions, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that they would be cast from us so that we can focus completely on you. And Lord, I pray that as we look at this, Lord, that it would penetrate not just our logic, but it would go to our soul. And that, Lord, our, our lives would be transformed and that we would live in a new way because we understand who we are in you. And so, Lord, I pray as we look at uh, what you have recorded for us today, that your words uh, would not return void within us, that, Lord, there would be uh, great growth and maturity that occurs today in all of us in this room. And, Lord, if there's someone who needs to start that journey with you, that relationship, that that would begin today. And, Lord, we know that you are returning. We look forward to that day. Help us to grow a little bit closer as we prepare for your return. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to be looking uh, at some Old and New Testament passages that kind of bring together what, what God is telling us here in, in the third commandment. Uh, but we're really going to be starting out here in Exodus chapter 3 uh, where Moses talks to God. Now just for some context to clarify the picture behind, uh, I love how the Bible really reveals the chronology of time and it shows us exactly what happened. It kind of puts us in a placement. It helps us to understand where we are in the big picture of all things. And so when you look at the Bible, you see the creation, you see the fall, you see the flood, and then you see Abraham. Abraham. And Abraham is the man that God looked at. His name was Abram, and he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a father of of many people. And Abraham is one of the the one uh, characters in the Bible that people all over the world, regardless of religion, know about. They've heard of Abraham. And Abraham has a son, Isaac, who has a son, Jacob, who God wrestles with Jacob, and he becomes Israel. And one of Israel's sons is Joseph. And Joseph uh, has this amazing story where through commitment to the Lord in tough times, commitment to God in tough times, he is exalted to being second in charge of all of Egypt, which is the most powerful nation on the earth at that time, and he's able to save his family from the famine. And then after 400 years of slavery, finally uh, the prayers of the people get to God, and Moses is, is the man that God uses. And Moses, he's walking along, taking care of his sheep. And all of a sudden, he sees something that he doesn't really understand what it is. What is that? Um, it's fire, but it's not burning like fire. It's a bush that should be uh, burning, but it's not. And he goes over and he, and, and he senses um, God because God begins to speak to him. And he says, this is holy ground, Moses. Take your shoes off. You are in a place like no other place. And God begins to have this conversation with Moses and he tells Moses, I'm going to send you back to Egypt and you are going to free the Egyptians from their slavery and they are going to return to the promised land, which I had promised to Abraham, uh, I'm going to fulfill my promise to them. And as, as Moses is talking, he's so interesting and I think it's, it's interesting that even we kind of do this today. Um, are, you, are you sure I'm the right guy? Are you sure this is the, you know, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not the, I'm not the right person here. I actually killed a person in Egypt and I may still be wanted for murder there. Um, Am I the one God? And, And he's kind of having this, this conversation with God, which is really strange that he's talking back to God. And then he says, you know, if I go to them. Who am I to say you are? And that's what we're going to pick up here in Exodus chapter three, verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. What a powerful thing. 400 years these people have been in slavery. They haven't been able to truly worship God the way they they have uh, been given to worship him. And Moses is, I don't know why he asked this question. It's a unique question. And he doesn't say, who should I tell the Egyptians who you are? He says, who should I tell the Israelites who you are? And he says, tell them that I am that I am. What does that mean? What does that mean for you and me today? That he is I am. I would submit to you that when he says I am, he is saying before everything was I am. Everything that has existence, everything, where did it come from? Why is it here? It's because of I am. Who is the one who did this? I am the one who did this. Why do I exist? What am I here for? I am why you're here. I am why you exist. I am that I am. You see, God is speaking into Moses, but he's really speaking to all of us that the starting point when it comes to God is to recognize he is a very big God. He's a very big God. And I would submit to you, if you don't see God as a big God, the Bible will never make any sense. The gospel will never make any sense. If God is not big, if God is someone that I can control, if God is made in my own image, if God is what I like or what I want him to be, then he is not the God of Scripture. And we have a problem because, and I'm, I'm guilty of this problem of making God who I want God to be. And many times I will go to scripture and and read it. If I like it, great, it's good. If I don't like it, well, then I'll reject it. But that isn't the option. God is big. And what God said is true. And who God is, is right. And whether I understand that completely or not, it is. Because he is. And it starts with us. And and this morning as we think of this, and we're going to get to this commandment. Recognizing what that I am really means. Exodus, uh, as we go and look at John chapter 8, verse 56, it says, uh, this is Jesus talking with the Pharisees, and they're trying to take him down. They're trying to uh, get him out of the way. They're trying to eliminate him as a teacher, as who the Messiah, who he is. He says this, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was even in existence, I am. Do you know what they did after he said this? They said, that's enough. You've said enough. You've blasphemed. You have claimed to be equal to God. You're claiming to be God. I will give credit to the Pharisees for this one thing. At least in statement alone, they respected the name of God. They had an understanding that God was not, it's interesting if you read about the scribes and how the Bible was transmitted from generation to generation, how meticulous they were and how when they came to the name of God, um, they couldn't even write his name because it was so holy, it was so righteous, it was so majestic to write the name of God was an unworthy act of a human being. And so they would would put a a certain amount of dots, seven dots, I believe, that represented the name of God. Because as a human, I can't even whisper his name. And so for Jesus to say, before Abraham was, I am, was not a major offense to them. And yet Jesus is speaking to us right now, and he's saying, look, I am one with the Father. I am one with the Spirit. To know me is to know God. To follow me is to follow your purpose for existence. To love me is to love God. And so this morning when we look at this concept of of how do we truly live out what God has for us, recognizing that the first place is seeing the awe and wonder of God. You know, we have these satellites that are out in space now, and they're sending back these pictures of how large the universe is and how expansive everything is and how uh, our sun is a small little star compared to these immense stars that exist and just the amount of space and billions and billions of, of stars that exist and galaxies that are out there and we look at that and as a follower of Christ I am in awe that all of that was made by the hands of God by the by the words of God that who am I to come to the creator of all that with any sense of authority who am I to stand before the God of the universe and question him as though he was close and equal to me and so we come to this and we see uh, here as, as, as we look at this, this third principle, this third statement, this third command that God gives us in, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. It says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You should not misuse his name. For the Lord will not hold anyone what? Guiltless who misuses his name. You know, growing up in Sunday school, in church, being a pastor's kid, uh, when I heard this command, it was, you know, people who use Jesus's name as a cuss word, that's all it was, right, people who say God in a a sense of of swearing, or say Jesus Christ in a sense of swearing, and so I'm like, man, that's an easy one, because I would be in big trouble if I ever did that, (laughs) right, my mouth would be full of soap, and my behind would be red, It would be rough. I would not be in a good place if I said these words in this way, right? And so it wasn't a big deal. But as I've gotten older and as I've looked at God's word and tried to understand it and said, Holy Spirit, speak through this. I recognize when he says misuse his name, it's not just saying his name. It's my view of who he is. Don't misuse my name because my name represents who I am. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, our father who is in heaven, what holy or hallowed is your name? He said, when you talk to God, you recognize his name is holy because he is holy. He is perfect. He is righteous. He is just. He is all powerful. All knowing. There is no limitations. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. There is none like him. We could just go through all the things that describe him this morning and and we could go forever. And so when I go and, and I misuse his name, I'm misusing it in the sense that I don't speak with reverence about him. I don't speak in awe when I think about him. He's a small God that I've created that I'm comfortable with, that I've put over here. And maybe on Sundays I interact with that. But in reality... In reality, God is saying, look, I am the all in all. You cannot put me to the side. You cannot put me in a place where I'm in a box that you keep for Sundays and Wednesdays or whenever that is for you. I am the (laughs) son. And so... As we look at the beginning of this idea of God saying, you cannot misuse my name, we look at Psalms chapter 99, verse 3, and it says, let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He reigns forever and ever. You know, the temple was set up in, in Jerusalem, the temple was set up for choirs to sing the praise of God and to lift up his name. Singing, when we come here, how often do you get together in a group and sing with people, right? It's a strange thing we do. We get together and we sit in a room and we sing a song and and we we read uh, from God's word and, and we give together. All of these things are worship. All of these things are to magnify his name. And and you know what? I really believe, and it's just hard for me, because when I watch Christians and and I think about even myself, do I live with a pride in my Savior? Do I live with this awe and wonder of God? Do we as Christians really live recognizing how immense, how powerful, how wonderful the God we serve, the God who created us, Truly is. And I believe if you read a lot of David's work and the Psalms, you're going to begin to see that heart that God wants us to have. And so the first place I believe when it says, Do not misuse my name, I think we misuse his name because we don't put the honor and majesty and glory that it deserves. And that's in our life, that's in how we live out our life. The second is how we carry the name of Christ. When people hear your name, do they equate it to Christ? When they hear my name, do they think he's like Christ? Do I carry his name well? Do we care, as a church, do we carry the name of Christ well? Are we known for love and grace and hope and sacrifice and that we're giving everything we can to love everybody so that they can know Jesus and they can have eternal life and hope? Or are we known as angry people who just are telling everybody how bad they are? Because the goal, the goal is for us to reflect a God who is perfect and has no reason to forgive us. And yet in his grace has forgiven us completely. And the goal is to reflect that to the best of our ability. And so as I carry his name, I have to carry the grace that comes along with that. I've got to carry the, the the joy of knowing that everyone I meet can know Christ personally. And that the greatest thing that can happen to any person is to know Jesus as their Savior. It's interesting as I was going through God's word and getting ready for this, that God really doesn't take this lightly. In Malachi 1, 6 through 8, it says, A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am my father, if I'm a father, Where is the honor due to me? If I am a master, where is the respect due to me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offered blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? God is not blind to our lives. God is not blind to our hearts. He is not blind to our thoughts. And so this is the challenge, and and this is the challenge for me and for you. How do I truly honor and love God? Like truly honor him with my life? How do we truly honor him as a church? Because when we give second best, when we give the side, when we give a fakeness, it's as if we're these priests and we're giving blind lambs and we're giving sick animals as sacrifices. He doesn't he doesn't want our worst. <laughs> he doesn't want the lowest. He wants our best. And so through grace, we're able to do that. And so this morning, as we kind of bring this all together, when when God gives us this statement that we're not to misuse his name, we're to respect his name, and we're to carry it well, I think it can be boiled down into this statement, and it's something that we need to live, and we need to recognize that everyone is going to be involved with this in some way. Remember, we'll all be judged based on what we did with Jesus and what we did with the life that God gave us. And so here it is. No Jesus, no hope. No Jesus, no hope. If you don't know Jesus, you're relying on your own, you're relying on your own strength, your own righteousness, your own good works. You're relying on your, your abilities, your intelligence. You're relying on you to supply you with whatever is yet to come. And I know for myself, maybe I can supply a short way out, but I cannot supply eternity. And really, I can't supply very far out on my own abilities. And so I recognize the truth in no Jesus, no hope. But I also recognize the truth in the same words with a couple more letters. No Jesus, no hope. You can know it. Not something you wish for, not something that, well, I've done more good than bad but I know it why because he did it. Why am I saved because he is? Why do I have hope because he is? Why do I have a purpose because he is? See this morning the world needs to know this. The world needs to see this in us. They need to hear this from us. They need to hear that we are so confident in Christ. And we're so confident in, in what he has done for us that we are living that truth out in every way we can. Whether it's how we talk to people, how we interact, how we live our lives, what we do. Every aspect of our life reflects if, that we know Jesus and we know hope. And so this morning, how do you apply this? Here's what I would say. Ask God to help you to know him better. Because you're not going to know him better on your own power. Every area in scripture, from Abraham all the way to the disciples, it was help me, help me, help me. It was never, I'll do it and God, you come along and join me. I'll do it and God, you you come on and see what I can do. It's always help. I can't, I can't. I don't know how to understand you, God. I don't know how to see you for who you really are. I need your help. And it starts with us verbalizing that and really allowing our souls to say, I need your help, God, to know that you are majestic. Because a lot of times my mind makes you really small. And I discredit you and I put you to the side and I don't even consider you. I need you to remind me of how great you are. You know, when we get stressed out and we live in fear, it's because we have a really small God. You know, when we start worrying about the future and all these things, it's because we have a small God. Because if we have a big God, we don't worry about the future. Because guess what? He is. And there's nothing to worry about. And so ask him to help you know him better. And then ask God to help you live like Christ. The best way you can live like Christ is to love your neighbor as yourself. To love people as the way Lord loves people. You know what excited me about yesterday is just seeing how friendly and how kind the people of this church were as strangers and guests were coming in to look at clothing and things to buy. To see my kids interacting with strange kids that they've never met before and yet playing with them and, and just hanging out with them. You know, a lot of the times what we do is as, as important as what we're doing building relationships, showing the love of Christ. There's so many people who've never heard the words, I love you, or you have any value whatsoever. There's a lot of people that have been used. There's a lot of people that have been abused. There's a lot of people that don't trust anyone because every time they trust someone, they've been let down. They need the love of Christ in their life. They need you and I to reflect that love. And so it really comes back to, am I really willing to trust God? So how can I do this? Romans nine ten. It says, "If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. It is your it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If you've made that decision, then live that decision. If you haven't made that decision, today is a great day to do that. Don't wait. It's an offering of freedom that is given to you today. Repent and believe, and you will be saved." If you do know that, you say, I have repented, I have believed, I know I'm saved. Well, what is God telling you? Because it's a personal relationship. What is he saying to you new today? What is he speaking into your life that is new right now? Matthew 5, 16. This is my life's verse. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. I recognize my life is not for me to be glorified. I don't exist for my own glory. I don't exist for my own name to be known. I exist for God's name to be glorified. That when people see anything good in me, they look to God and say, amen, praise God. What if all of us in this room just committed to that and said, I'm going to carry God's name well. I'm going to carry his name well. I'm not going to misuse his name. When people look at me, they're going to see him. They're going to know that he is real and true. And they're going to see that there is hope, there is purpose, and there is value to life. As we close, if you bow your head and close your eyes.